0: March 19th, we are still separated, although while I am still at my home, Gordon has braved the office. Of course, there's no one else there, right, Gordon?
1: No, there's a few people here. There's, uh, I'm near the studio, so there's still studio shows happening on other uh, Flow Verticals. For those you who don't know, Flow Track isn't the only Flow Sport. Uh, there's about 20 other sports that Flow Sports covers, and uh, the wrestling guys have been doing two studio shows every day. So they had a it. studio show at 8.15, another one at 10 a.m. Uh, so they're grinding. Um, so that's why I'm here. I was helping out with something with the studio. Uh, but then I got into a this enclosed area. It's like a soundproof booth, basically where we did our old podcasts from a few weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> how long ago that was. Um, and, uh, yeah, ready to talk. It's, it's fine. I mean, the whole no more than 10. There's, there's less than 10 people here, so. And We're in a giant building so we're I'm fine
0: are, so you're able to keep yourself socially distanced
1: yes I mean I've always been doing that since I was since I was a uh, since puberty so I've, I've been good <laughs> uh,
0: the email is flowtrekpodcast at gmail.com send in your questions now I don't have access to this email yet I don't know the password really you guys are you're keeping, you're keeping me out? No, I haven't asked for it. I, I You know, I get so many emails. I, I just, I prefer not to. But I know Kevin's been filtering through those, and uh, he's got some good ones so far. Although, I, I really did enjoy your guys' episode yesterday, particularly when you guys couldn't remember certain things, and I was on my run, and I was like, oh, I know that. I know that. But no, I, I uh, also very much enjoyed, if you haven't listened to yesterday's episode, very much enjoyed you guys thinking of round number records. We're only like day six into this quarantine, and we're already thinking of like ridiculous podcast topics. So I thought, with that being said, I thought I'd normalize it a bit. Let's talk about 2019. It is Thursday, after all. We can throw it back to just a few months ago when life was a lot simpler, I guess. Uh, Last year was a very good year for track and field, and uh, I want to talk about our favorite moments from last year. And we'll just see where this goes. Yeah, basically. It makes sense. So,
1: Today's Thursday, so typically on Thursdays, Throwback Thursday. So we're just going to throw it back to 2019. Might as well. So I, I
0: don't know in what order. We won't, we won't spill our favorite moment at the very beginning. That would defeat the purpose.
1: So we're going to start but, with our least favorite moment. That's our least favorite. favorite moment.
0: <laughs> no, we'll, we'll start, I don't know. It's our least we'll, favorite t- of the favorites. Yeah, least favorite of the favorites. Okay, so my first, I'll go. I don't know if we're doing 10 each, 5 each, 7 each, um, 19 each. But I'm going to start. I'll go with Michael Norman's 43-45 at Mount SAC. I'm thinking of Mount SAC because it just got canceled. Feeling for it. We're not going to have any Michael Norman moments, at least at that meet this year. Uh, but that race, it, it set off speculation that Michael Norman was going to be able to break the 43:03 world record in 2019. Now, he didn't end up doing that. He got hurt. The world record may have been out of reach regardless, but that was one of those, like, drop your lunch tray moments last year where you're like, it's April 20th. What is this guy doing running 43:45?" It was just uh, an absolute jaw-dropper.
1: Yeah, and it seems so out of the blue to run that fast that early uh, by yourself. um do you think he regrets it
0: I you know I I don't know he was just running his season opener like I don't know what you what else you do maybe he was like I went a little bit too aggressive I don't think we can say the cause of the injury issues he had later in the season were the fact that he ran so fast at the beginning of the year but I think some people come out hot out of the gate and he may just be one of those guys who's never really truly rusty um I think in the future, if you look at the downside of it, you have to say, okay, we all know Michael Norman's going to come out firing on all cylinders. So just can't translate that. You know, some people will start out at a certain point and they're going to get faster and faster and faster and faster. 400, not necessarily one of those events, but, but still it, the fastest 400 meter debut season debut ever. It, it, It definitely gave us cause to believe he could break the world record. And just that excitement at that point, uh, when, when we knew we had so much outdoor season to go, even though he didn't break the world record and even though he didn't even make the final at Worlds due to an injury, it uh, still that moment in itself, what it projected that he could possibly do, not even just in 2019, but as a career, was, was pretty spectacular.
1: Yeah, I think it was a blessing and a curse to run that fast that early. Um, the blessing is, you know, wow, I have a potential to be a great all-time runner in my career the curse is uh i can go out there and run a good race but people will think um you know moving backwards you know now you know he sets sets the bar too high too early you know uh just puts like unrealistic expectation on him to go out there and perform and run 43 seconds all the time which isn't normal so uh but i'm sure his corner was telling him like Hey, it's okay to go out there and not run the time you ran at Mount Sac. You know it's a long season. Sure, it's all about staying healthy, and ultimately he didn't stay healthy. But that's you know you don't know the reason overall for the 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 injury. Um, but I think it was a good moment. It was cool because you you don't see it right, and anytime something happens in track and field that is not normal, it's fun to witness. And a forty-three second four hundred season opener at a random college invitational is not normal. So that's cool. Well wow, put put some respect on Mount Sack. Well, it it's not I'm just kidding. Internationally <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mount Sack yes. In our world Mount Sack is a big deal, but internationally Mount Sack is I'm you know, a, a normal meet.
0: The four hundred world lead from twenty nineteen was from the Mount Sack invitational. That's all you have to say. Of of for a year that went stretched into October. That's pretty crazy. All right, what's what's your what's your pick for a moment that I don't know. Start your countdown. Start my countdown? Yeah.
1: Uh, I was going to kind of stay in the, in the sprinting world. Uh, and it was – now, not – it's kind of similar to your moment. I'm not talking about Grant Holloway at the indoor championships. I'm talking about when Grant Holloway ran his first 60 and he ran, uh, I believe it was, 6.50. One six fifty one, yeah, and it, was it yeah. Arkansas or Clemson, I believe?
0: Arkansas, I'm pretty Arkansas. sure.
1: And that was a big moment because seeing someone who you just always put in the, the hurdle category, you know, and you're like, okay, he's going to do an off event, but it's not going to be much. And seeing run as NCA lead, just it started. It's basically started the the stories of his what ultimately ended in a, in a world title of like, wow, this is going to be the year of Grant Holloway. And it wasn't until he ran that fast sixty, where we kind of started looking at Grant Holloway not just as a hurdler, but as like a potential all-time great athlete. And you know, when you're when you don't train for the sixty, when you don't train as a sprinter, but you're running sprinter caliber times, that means something, you know.
0: I, I mean, the complete opposite of kind of what happened for Norman is that Holloway started really fast and lived up to his potential, exceeded what we thought was his potential at every single turn, breaks collegiate records in the 60 hurdles, in the 110 hurdles, uh, doesn't win USAs, but then comes back and wins the world title. Uh, it's, it may ultimately end up being, I mean, maybe not because he's so young, the best season of his entire career at age 21. I mean, it was just such an incredible year. And I don't even think, I mean, I wasn't thinking it would go as far as he took it. When he when he first ran that six fifty one, I didn't you know we didn't weren't we didn't know he was going to run seven thirty five in the sixty hurdles, let alone run twelve ninety eight, let alone win the world title. So, uh, but in reality, we should have been I guess thinking of those things when he when he did that. Just because yeah, hurdlers don't run six fifty one. Hurdlers n- normal hurdlers don't have that that raw speed. But uh, Holloway won the sixty and the sixty hurdles. First guy since Terrence Trammell to do that. He's obviously a special talent.
1: Yeah, and it always, I mean, I know, like, this is very, like, can you just enjoy what you're seeing? But then, you know, typical, you know, media take or just fan take, you have, like, what if? Like, what if Grant Holloway stopped doing the hurdles and just became a sprinter? You know, what could he run? Could he challenge Noah Lyles in a 200? You know, something like that. Like, obviously, he can't right now, but... When he show that you know he has that four hundred speed, he can split forty four, forty three seconds in a four by four, and he runs six fifty one. You know, you got to think yeah. there's like that. He just has that raw ability. Obviously, we always and talk he- about he'd be a great four hundred meter hurdler, but he says hell no to that, which I respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm ho- I'm looking forward to maybe an off year season, so twenty twenty two, right? There's no- I don't know. We may
0: be making up a lot of these events yeah. in, in 2022. But it's
1: 2022 <laughs> where Holloway doesn't feel the pressure to run his prime event, where we might see a lot of Holloway running 200s and open 200s, open 400s, open 100s on the track so we can see him try to like do crazy things, kind of like what Christian Taylor does when he starts running mm-hmm. the 400 or Ashton Eaton when he did the 400 hurdles instead of the decathlon. I think I'm looking forward to 2022 Grant Holloway where we don't see him in the hurdles. And if he gets the
0: chance this year, it was overshadowed because it was the same weekend as USA's, and there was a lot of else going on too. But he ran seven thirty eight opener in in twenty twenty, and was, I think it was his only race of the indoor season. I mean, that's only .03 off his American record, and it was at the beginning of the year in a race essentially by himself. The guy has world record potential, has you know sub twelve eighty potential in the in the one ten. So you just hope he gets that. Gets that chance. All right, I'll move on to my next moment. Uh, this wasn't necessarily a positive moment, but I really enjoyed the the Monaco Men's Four Hundred, July twelfth, <laughs> uh, where well, I'll just read what I uh, what I wrote earlier, or I guess in August of last year, just as a recap. All right. So here I go. The race was memorable for all the wrong reasons as a false start caused mayhem, the likes of which I've never seen in track and field. After Kamari Montgomery jumped out of the blocks much too early, runners in lane six, seven and eight failed to hear the infraction buzzer and kept on as if nothing had happened. Texas, Texas is Jonathan Jones running lane seven got the worst of it as he unbelievably ran the entire lap before realizing that his effort was all for naught. Uh, that was one of the stranger moments I've ever seen in, in track and field. And I've been around the sport enough to see some, some, weird, some weird things. But the idea that you could not only miss the sound of the gun, I guess I get that with the crowd noise, but then be so focused as to run the entire 400. Uh, I had never honestly even considered that. I guess I could see that in 100 because it's so short and you maybe don't want to stop your momentum. But there's a photo, if you look in this article that I'm referring to, where uh, the, where Anthony Jose Zambrano, who ends up with a, a... I believe he got a medal at Worlds. He's got his arms up, and then Jonathan Jones is, like, looking at the clock, too. And it's just, like, this perfect meme moment. <laughs> and when I think about the track season in the summer before Worlds, I just... I go to that because it was so, so bizarre. And, again, a simpler time when issues like false starting a 400 were at the top of my concern list, I guess you could say. But that one was, in hindsight, just very entertaining.
1: Agreed. It was a very entertaining race. Uh, I will go to kind of, this is more about an athlete than a specific performance because, I, would, I mean, it's a controversial athlete. But one of my moments was basically the season that Safan Hassan had. Um, mm. going with you know at that meet that Monaco meet where she ran her 412 mile world record but more about her double at Worlds with the 10k and uh, the 1500 so that was to me the most ex- what, what, what are your thoughts on the Stefana sign? also the yes. whole idea I mean- of the organ project that all happening but seeing her like close that 10k against the rest of the the world it was just kind of like what are we seeing here
0: yeah, being in Doha, it was – her uh, her experience there, she got the full Alberto Salazar impact kind of laid at her feet because she runs the 10K before the band comes in, and she closes the last 1,500 in 359.
1: <laughs> Just and, uh, say that again. <laughs> she runs a 10K. Last
0: 1,500 of a 10000 meters, Savannah-san – Closed in three fifty nine and that was I mean I think all of us in the media area were just agape at that, you knew the range was good, and you knew she could close fast, but she'd only run one ten thousand before that yeah. it was at stanford and she looked kind of tired from it, you know she was like that was hard, and uh she had plenty of months clearly to to get even more fit but uh you know. Still did not expect for her to dominate in, in that fashion. So so that happens and everything is very joyous. And then a couple of days later, Alberto Salazar gets banned. She goes from somebody who, you know, obviously wants to talk to the media to, to somebody who doesn't want to talk to the media, which I do understand. And obviously the cloud of suspicion, unfortunately, because of her association with the banned coach, uh, grows and grows and grows and grows, um. Then she runs the 1500 and runs 351, the fa- the, you know, breaks the, the championship record, runs one of the fastest times of all time, and she has a quote, she's like, as long as I keep running fast, people are, are going to think they're not going to question me, and I was like, I think that is the opposite of what is the case. I'm not here to speculate if I think she's clean or dirty, but it was just a as far as watching a person deal with the excitement of the 10,000 when everything was good and then having to come back and feel the weight of that ban uh, because a lot of the other athletes didn't have to shoulder it in the way that she did I mean Donovan Brazier coached by Pete Julian Clayton Murphy yes coached by Alberto Salazar but he got eighth so he was kind of in and out of the of the of the mix zone after the the 800 and you know, no one's going to be like pounding a, a a guy who got eighth over and over again with questions. Yomif Kajalka doesn't really speak English, so there was obviously a a uh, language barrier there after he got second in the 10,000. But for Hassan, she got the brunt of it, and she also answered the questions with, um, she, you know, she was confrontational, and which was totally her right. Um, my point, I guess, overall is that um, she's not going to be somebody that, that backs down from the tough questions and she's not going to be somebody who is deterred just by her coach being banned. I understand the speculation around her after this. She ran a spectacular meet in the wake of her coach getting banned for, you know, violating anti-doping practices. So it's going to be suspicious when you have the, the meat of your career, um, but what a memorable season overall yeah. for Safana-san.
1: Here's san qu- Here's a question, though, I have for you. Is it inappropriate of me to have safana season as a top moment of 2019? Am well, I no, allowed to think that Safana-san was a great moment, or do I need to follow the, the, the line and stay in line and say, how dare you talk about someone associated with Alberto Salazar? Because I feel like well, there's, no. you know preaching people on twitter saying like no you can't bring her up you know it's you know but like no no of course
0: not i mean if you did that then you couldn't talk about galen Rupp, and some people would be obviously incredibly critical even more so critical with galen Rupp because he had up to september he'd been been with alberto salazar his entire career no absolutely not you could i you can still celebrate what hassan did because she was a fantastic athlete before and continues to be and and she talked about that in her press conferences back in Doha saying I've been look at my performances they've been going up 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 for years even before I joined Salazar and you know she was adamant that that she's clean and given her the benefit of the doubt I I I have to trust what she says obviously everything comes with suspicion basically across the board in track and field a certain level of suspicion and some are higher than others given coach association um but, like she said, never tested positive for anything, so I choose to kind of just enjoy it for what it is, but also knowing that things in life can be complicated, and that was one of those things. It was definitely complicated. So, no, you absolutely can still enjoy it. Safan Hassan Day is still on this year. You can have a cake and, uh, and celebrate it with your friends and family, although in keep it under 10 people, and uh, if you could, uh, keep six feet of distance. Is
1: it a national holiday in the Netherlands? Song, it right? should be.
0: I don't know when the day would be. What day? It would be,
1: be April twelfth,
0: right? April April twelfth. Sure. Oh, for four twelve. That's good. So that's coming up. The Netherlands may have to celebrate that indoors, but uh, maybe everyone can tweet out their favorite Savannah San memories. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. I was thinking. Speaking of social distancing, yesterday I, w- I went on a five mile run, which I was just like completely zonked after i did that and i passed a couple people on the road that, w- that was gonna it was gonna be within the the six foot of social distancing rule and i just decided to play it extra safe and i just stopped running and allowed them to pass and and then kept can, going I, I don't know if i'm being paranoid yes you are you're some people would say par- i'm being paranoid but some people would say that i'm just taking the necessary precautions no, you're, but, being par- you're, being, <laughs>
1: you're being paranoid you're being you're being paranoid
0: I probably, but you just don't know who this the the fact of coronavirus being asymptomatic for a lot of people. So, I
1: just so here's the thing you never know when like here's Joe Schmo
0: going to cough on you randomly. I, I just here's wanted to thing, keep my Lincoln.
1: distance. Lincoln, here's what we're doing. Uh, this is going to be a coronavirus-free podcast. So oh. we we already got all of the COVID nineteen takes out in the past like five podcasts. If you notice, yesterday's podcast we didn't talk about it. So we're trying to. We're trying to be positive here and only talk and we're we're a flow track podcast on a flow Corona podcast. So, uh, I got it. We want to, we want to keep things lighthearted. People need an escape from it, right? That's all people are talking about. So we're going to only talk about track and instead we'll just talk about suspicious track athletes (laughs) (laughs) and bring that back.
0: Fair enough. I can, uh, I can do that. That
1: was a good story. story. You can still tell those stories yeah i'm I'm always gonna try to to keep i think you've stopped not i think you use corona as an excuse to take a little break in your run
0: i i I agree i was definitely breathing hard (laughs) and uh it's because i haven't run five miles in a while okay so i'll go to my next moment and again this is in no particular order as they say on whose line is anyways the points don't matter um I'm going with Sha'Carri Richardson's 10.75 at NCAAs. A lot of surprising moments every track season. That was one of them, breaking the collegiate record that had stood for like 30 years. Uh, Richardson had run like a 10.99. You don't usually make the jump from 10.99 to 10.75 within one meet. She did that. She had, I, think, I think she broke 11 seconds at the East prelims. And then she lopped off nearly a quarter of a second. Went professional. At really, just her whole season was just nuts to come in from a freshman, to have a good but not great indoor season, and then just to slowly build to this triumphant performance. And in Austin at, at NCAA's, and then not even make the team, not even make the 200 final, barely make the 100 final, and finish like eighth. I mean, it was a strange season for Shakari Richardson. And uh, I had to learn that her name was pronounced Shakari, not Shakari. There's just a lot of memorable moments with the uh, with the LSU freshman turned, Nike sprinter, uh, who we all thought, oh, this means she's gonna contend for a medal, and she doesn't even make the team. So it I mean, she didn't even make the relay the relay pool. I mean, maybe maybe she said maybe she would have if if she wanted to. Maybe she just recognized after running so poorly at USA's that it's time to take a break. But that was just a wild ride overall.
1: Yeah, this may be uh unpopular or take, but did we have we already seen the best of her? Will we ever see God. her run sub ten eighty again? Well,
0: I I think a lot of people said it at the time, she could never run faster. She could literally keep ten seventy-five as her PR forever and still have a great career if she can still run in the ten nines and the ten eights, and then if she can you know, if she makes finals on the on the Olympic on the world stage, and and she runs ten seventy eight, you can absolutely medal or win, win a gold with that. So, do I think she'll ever run faster? I d- I do I do I I I I mean, she, she, I, I assume she signed a pretty hefty contract, so she's got the support necessary to to train. Uh, she's I believe training down in Florida with. I, I I'll say the name. I think she trains with Dennis Mitchell. Um, <laughs> I, think she, I think so she too. Yes. Yeah, uh which <laughs> speaking of controversial people, he's a <laughs> controversial fellow uh who, you know, also trains Justin Gatlin, Kenny Bennereck, uh the 200 runner I couldn't think uh Desiree Bryant. So she's got she's got really good training partners. I think she will ultimately run faster. Uh she's not even 20 years old, so she's She's got plenty of years to improve, but I see a world where she she also doesn't run faster and she still has a fine career. I mean that that was a that was a performance where it, it's like she left her body. I mean, you know, not only did she run ten seventy five, but she was celebrating across the line. She could have maybe run ten seven low if she wasn't chucking deuces, which was awesome, but. It, it was just like one of those those like once in a lifetime runs where you just have it where you don 't even feel your legs and you 're just gliding across the air and it was incredible to see because it was so unexpected
1: yeah I still need to wait i still need to see one or two more performances before I buy the the richardson stock
0: <sighs> well every all my stock buying's on hold right now listen <laughs> i uh today here 's the state of my my finances i mean they're they're fine I, a lot of people are worse but well, way way out for us, so I don't want to complain too much. But today I got reimbursed by our company for our trip to uh, to Atlanta for the for the trials. And it was like two hundred and five dollars, and it basically so far has made my day like two hundred and five extra dollars in my checking account. I'm just like, yes, let's go. <laughs> so that's the world we live in.
1: Anyways, your 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 choice next. My choice, best moments. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm trying to like be a little eclectic with my moments and not just stay in one category or group grouping. Um, but I, I honestly liked uh, the uh, I guess I kind of like the I mean, it's a really small moment, but it kind of was like, whoa. It, uh, I like the um, the BYU like I, li- I like the West prelims. For, like, two things. Oh, wow. The West prelims. I like the the BYU thing where they got a bunch of guys in a bunch of events. That was really cool to see them, like, come together. And after a year ago in 2018, they all were, like, finished. They did had, like, the worst NCAA performance of all time. But one year later, these guys were all seniors. They qualified, what, is it six guys in the 10K?
0: That... That sounds right. Yeah, six guys in the yeah.
1: 10K. Uh, they ran, they scored a lot of points indoor. They scored like, they had like three guys qualify in the steeple. Um, but it was like a cool little BYU showing. And then also at that West prelims, I really enjoyed uh, Jordy Beamish's uh, interview after the 5K about mm. Beamish coming off of the surprise indoor mile win, you know, decides to run the 5K instead of the 1500. And we're all like, why? Why is he doing this? And the first time we get to ask him why he chose a 5K, he says, like, he wants to race against McDonald and Fisher. And I was like, finally, someone who's, like, not trying to just win a title but trying to, like, challenge themselves and being public and honest about it. I thought that was really cool. Now, ultimately, that said, he had a bad race. Yeah. <laughs> but that he, had, he, 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 like, had a great kick in that prelim. So in yeah. that moment leading up, it was kind of cool. I don't know.
0: I realize a lot of the bodies were different when we think about BYU. Clayton Young won the 10000 and he was out of eligibility. But should we have, in hindsight, taken BYU more seriously as a cross-country program based on what they did in
1: track? No. <laughs> no, not at all. It was still an race to lose, and they lost it. But BYU had a great race. But, like, the guys who scored for BYU were not –
0: like, no, not the they weren't. not the track guys. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't yeah, Shumway other than wasn't even there. Other than Connor Mance.
1: Yeah, yeah. Other than Connor Mance. It was a bunch of like first timer, like I'm um, scoring high yeah. guys. So Yeah. But yeah, I really but basically the moment that Jordy Beamish says I want to race Fisher or McDonald, I was like, finally, someone who's like wants to like talk smack a bit. We don't get that. You know? I don't know.
0: Well here we go. Talking talking smack. Um, I'll take it to another moment. The 100-meter matchup between Noah Lyles and Christian Coleman last year, I believe, was in Shanghai. I'm now typing Ooh, this in stare down. with my... The stare-down moment, uh, which kind of started... A, a, a minor run on beefs in track and field. Now, Paul Cholimo and Lopez LeMong have taken over the mantle. Um, let's see where were things. I feel
1: like, I'm not going to lie. Shanghai
0: on May 18th.
1: Before, so Before you dive into this, I, I'm yes. going to say... I think this beef was a big misunderstanding.
0: Okay, so here's, here's go, how go, this Go, point.
1: go, go! You, you explain what happened. But I think in the end it was a big misunderstanding.
0: So let me explain how FloTrack has um, started a couple beefs in the track and field world, and not just through other, not just through having a subscription service or or people being mad that we're ugly. I don't know. <laughs> so May eighteenth, uh, Lyles and coleman matchup lyle's comes back and they both run 986 and if you look at the feed which i was watching it looks like lyle's is staring down coleman as he crosses the line which is pretty cocky considering they both ran 96 so the the uh he he basically called his shot before he even knew who won maybe he knew he won uh I'm just writing the the meat recap for our site and I'm just trying to get a good screenshot from the page and, I, and I'm and i like about to just settle on a head-on one when at the end, right before the broadcast is about to end, I notice, oh wow, there's one where it looks like he's staring him down. So I used that and I tweeted out and I said like something to the effect of something very corny to the effect like no Lyle staring down Christian Coleman across the line is a mood, which is like totally predictable in the lame tweet. Somebody in the comments says... Stop trying to create drama. I'm I'm paraphrasing, but stop trying to create drama. He was staring at the clock. And I was like, oh, that's probably actually it. And I should probably just shut my mouth. Hour later or so, Lyle comes back and says, no, Flowtrack is is right. I was staring at him. And that sets off, you know, a good retweet party by a lot of people. And uh, then either a day later or the same time, you know, or, or the same day, Coleman comes back with his famous like. Some people got to realize, you know, you can celebrate winning a season opener, but I'm all about medals and whatnot, and this and that and the other, and that that really set that off. Between the two, very different personalities, but I had to wonder, would that fun have happened if not for my screenshot? Now, I don't want to take all the credit or take all the blame, whichever way you look at it. But I really feel like that that doesn't start unless that that photo, that that screenshot becomes available, and it's really just due to my due, due diligence as a screenshot artist um, <laughs> to to find that moment. So, in uh, that that supposed beef, which they ended up kind of gaslighting everyone on, at least Coleman did in the sense that he was like, "That that was just a media creation. I don't know what you're talking about." And, and when they were saying that at like USA's, and it was kind of like, "Wait a second, you were the one that said." Some people like to celebrate season openers. I like to think about medals or whatever. I'm paraphrasing again. But, and then at the end of the season, they end up running on the same gold medal winning 4 by one So it was, it was ultimately squashed, and it was a little overblown. But they should not and cannot deny that that was a real online, people-are-mad-on-the-internet beef for at least a moment. And, uh, and regardless of if it's over or not, I feel at least partly responsible for that. That's all I'm saying.
1: Well, we should thank you for that because, Just, like, we need Hey, that. it's
0: in my job description. Make content, create beefs, uh, get people mad at each other. That's that's my job.
1: Yeah, I. my reason for the misunderstanding is I think that Christian Coleman came back with his, like, uh, I think Christian Coleman misunderstood Noel Lyle, I think Noel Lyles was like being fun, and like yeah. just like having a good time. And I think Christian Coleman thought it was like a, like, are you trying to say you're better than me? And I think, yeah. no, Noel Lyles is saying like I like racing you. That's what I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, because I think their personalities couldn't be any different, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: and I also think that it's a weird r- rivalry you can call it because Noel Lyles knows that like he is way better in the 200 than the 100 and Christian Coleman knows he's way better than the 100 than the 200 so like no matter whenever they race there is going to be that like well this is your event mantra you know what I mean like
0: I know that they're both talking about doubling but the perfect thing for Coleman to do would be to smoke him in the 100 final at the Olympics if the Olympics happen and then do like what he did last year and which are all from the 200. Yeah. And then he doesn't have that. I mean, I know he wants another medal, but everyone's going to, unless Lyles breaks the world record, which I don't think anyone thinks is happening. Um, Coleman beats Lyles, you know, gets to the Olympic gold, and then he, he's made a statement. He doesn't need to race him in the 200. You know, we all know what, the, I mean, sure, it'd be awesome for him if he beat Lyles in the 200 and swept both, and then we're talking about the next bolt, but. It, if he if he beats him in the hundred, there's no really other thing he needs to prove, and I think. Uh,
1: okay, here's a question. That's why the
0: that's why the advantage is in Coleman's hands yeah. going into the season because he's so good at the hundred and he's got such a good start and he's yeah, the undoubted you know best hundred meter runner in the world. He's to, to be the best sprinter in the world. He's Lyles has to come down to his specialty, and then if Coleman stays on top, he, he doesn't have to prove anything by running the two hundred.
1: Okay, imagine a world like this. Imagine Noah Lyles runs 9 point, 19.2, 19.25 in
0: okay. the 200.
1: the so second fastest all time. Yep. And then gets second in the 100 to Coleman. And Coleman runs 9.8 to win the 100. Oh, wow. Or 9.79. 9.8. 9.8 to win the 100. Okay. But Coleman doesn't run the 200. So, Coleman has. He's one for one, running 9.8, and Noah Lyles is a first and a second, but his first is a 9.2, 19.2. Yeah. So who would come out as that and be like, you, you're you the best sprinter?
0: Well, of course, we, as people who pay attention to the sport, we would say Lyles, if you, you know, take Johan Blake's time and is just a, a less than a tenth away from Usain Bolt's world record. Yeah, we would say that, but... I, uh, still a part of the larger world, who's going to pay attention just to the Olympics? Are going to say this is the hundred meter champion, and I, I don't know what fast times are in the two hundred. I understand you're going to say it's a it's a you know the fast time in the world in, in a decade, but people are going to see the hundred meter champion and say that's the fastest man in the world. So, still, you know, Coleman has a a the 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 hundred meter PR. Uh, attention on his side, regardless of what Lyles does. Unless, I guess, Lyles breaks the world. I, th- I would say Lyles has to break the world record for for that to, to flip. I, I truthfully believe that.
1: Okay, so what if Lyles does break the world record, but then Coleman like runs? If like, Lyles
0: breaks the world record, he needs to be winning the hundred as well. Like, if he's running, like, there's no excuse for him to even Christian Coleman. He needs to be running the nine sixes if if he's gonna break the two hundred meter world record. It's a big if, obviously. That's a good point. You know. That's a good point. I mean, he needs to be sweeping both. So on the flip side of that, yeah, if, if Lyles supplants Coleman in the 100 and then breaks the world record in 200, I mean, that's incredible because you could argue that I know people have run faster. And never mind, I was going to say, I was going to make a controversial statement. But I, I
1: – I, I, Oh, I think I know
0: what you were going to say. Well, no, I was just going to say that I, I don't think – other than people who were on substances, I don't know if Bolt ever beat somebody of Christian Coleman's caliber. I could be wrong. I mean, Blake was certainly spectacular in his age, but I'm thinking of Tyson Gay, ultimately tested positive. Um, You know. That's going to be a good analysis to look back at. If if Lyle somehow finds a way to break Bolt's world record and wins the 100 as well, the comparisons to Bolt are going to be incredibly legitimate, I would say. Now, is he going to break the world record? No. Because 1919 is ridiculous. But the possibility is there for both Coleman and, and Lyles to... They're, they're wrestling for the title of the best sprinter in the world if 2020 happens. And uh, that's what's going to be super fun about it. But I think, you know, strategy-wise, Coleman will be best served, win the 100, and just scratch the two.
1: Do you think that, uh, kind of like in the NBA, how, like, Jordan, you know like LeBron James could you argue that LeBron having to beat the Warriors is a lot made his his era harder to succeed in than Jordan's era in a weird way, you know what I mean?
0: LeBron having to
1: do what now? Like some people say like when you compare LeBron and Jordan, uh LeBron fans will say that LeBron had harder competition. Sure, right? Sure. He's going to yeah, I mean, I'm not an NBA expert,
0: it. and I understand that. I I, 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 get that the NBA was different 25 years ago than than it is today, and I think we can all agree that you know LeBron, pound for pound, physically is a different different athlete than than Michael Jordan. So you know, can score in probably yeah. different way amount of ways, and obviously, everyone's going to say, you know, uh, LeBron has managed to still be one of the top five players in the world. What, in, a, in an era where the three-pointer is is a way bigger emphasis than it ever was and the, the athletes are better. So I can understand that. Um, what I'm trying to say— I don't know. I leave the basketball takes yeah. other people. No, but.
1: What I'm trying to say is imagine a world where Noah Lyles over the next 10 years runs Usain Bolt-like times, like either ties his record or just like— yeah, ties one of the records, is close in the other one, whatever, uh, or breaks one and doesn't break the other. But he doesn't have as many golds because he keeps losing to Christian Coleman. So, like, when you. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's like, will will Crispin Coleman to Lyles or Lyles to Coleman affect their legacy when compared to Bolt because they're kind of taking medals away from each other?
0: For sure. Yeah. You see that in, you know, like, let's say tough conferences in in basketball and in the NCAA where everyone's like, always like, ah, they're affected. Their conference is so tough, everyone beats up on each other and that their, their resume for the NCAA tournament. Rest in peace is is affected by that, and that's the absolute the same situation. Um, Bolt had some good guys to go uh, go up against, so he's, you know, Lyles could break his world record and win a couple medals, and Bolt would still probably be the greatest of all time. Because you have to remember, Bolt, I mean, Bolt was going up against guys like Tyson Gay, Johan Blake, and and also guys in there that we're not clean, I'm looking at gay. So he's beating dopers there mm. as well. And we obviously don't know everyone's clean in, in this era, but but it's not a Jordan situation where you can be like, oh no, every guy was six five and he's just dunking over, you know, every every guy was unathletic that he's driving around. No, it's well was it's not like he's running the nineties, you know. Yeah. He he's 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 uh he's from just a decade five years ago and, and the guys were Equally good, if if not better than than, uh, or not not as good as Coleman, but but close to what Coleman is. It would have been fun to see those guys go go head to head. But long winded way of of saying no. There's it in Lyles has to accumulate the records and accumulate the medals to even be in the conversation as as Bolt. Got it.
1: Let's keep going. Okay. <laughs> I got sidetracked that- with the.
0: Okay, Bulls, yes, we got sidetracked. I probably contradicted myself within that conversation as well. It's your turn though to to pick to pick a memory from 2019. Is it
1: my turn? Oh yeah, you did the yeah. Coleman bowl. Uh so I got to go with it. I got to go up to the 159.
0: Yes. Yes, we're 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 getting within the last 20 minutes of this podcast and if we excluded Elliot Kipchoge's 15940 um that would be a crime. Did you watch? I imagine you didn't watch this live because it was in it was on at like one AM.
1: No, I did not watch it live. And I'll be honest, I don't watch many marathons live because I just watched the, the 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 Twitter video, the final two minutes to see the time they're in. Always and then good. Open up the results and see the splits and that's basically my, the way I consume marathons is hey, by I respect it. Analyzing the, the pace and seeing the final finish.
0: A lot of a lot of marathons the last couple of years I've watched the entirety of and I've really gained an appreciation for it. Especially covering it, it's nice because you just kind of write down splits for the first hour, maybe hour and a half, and you're just kind of like chilling. You know, you don't really have to write anything on your story because so much is going to change in the last six miles. In in all likelihood, uh, this one though I was I covered it for the site and I was up at I watched the entire thing, um, very groggily, and especially so. Because me and my family at 6am Drove to Houston that day For an art event for my wife So I basically got 30 minutes Of sleep throughout this entire Day and was very much struggling But it was worth it to watch Kipchoge Click off whatever it was 434 miles And run in a V Formation and uh, I mean run under Two hours for a marathon it was I don't care what the support was And what shoes he was wearing it was simply spectacular, and, uh, you know, we talk about records that were like, I don't think we'll see that in our lifetime, and regardless if it was on an eligible course or not, in eligible uh, circumstances, that was one that I didn't think I was going to see in my lifetime, and I, I, I got to see it in a pre-coronavirus world. I know I wasn't going to say coronavirus, but, you know, it was just we better lasted, times, like, what, man. We like,
1: 15 minutes, and you had to bring it
0: up. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was just better times. I mean, that's why we're doing this episode, looking back on better times, and Elliot <laughs> Kipchoge, uh, in Vienna, running with a bunch of Nike pros and uh, and wearing wearing the Alpha Flies, you know, introducing the world to the Alpha Flies. And now we barely got to see them in mass circulation, and now we don't have any racing. It's just... It's been a wild world. I, I
1: think... Here's a weird take. I don't think we're ever going to see it again. And the reason why is that the... Pair, sub, sub two hours? Yeah. Mm. Because I don't think there's ever going to be... A marketing push to like try to break two hours again because it's hmm. like once the barrier is broken, it's kind of old news. You know, I know it's not old news, but like 20 years from now, there's I can't imagine Nike going all in on some random Kenyan or whatever, whoever the great athlete is 20 years from now and being like, okay, it's all about breaking 159.40 or break like because breaking two yeah. now doesn't it's already been done, so it's not like a barrier anymore. And I think that there's not going to be set up races to break two anymore. Like it's see, done. I, It's over.
0: I disagree. I mean, there's going to be an attempt, I would assume in the next five years to do it in a legitimate race. Um, I, we see the rest of the marathon world with the support of the new shoe technology getting faster and faster and faster. And, and I could see within the next 10 years, maybe less. Um, You'll see that another, somebody's gonna do another it. person do it. Yeah, I think somebody's going to do it. I think it's not going to be Kipchoge, even though he's so fantastic. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to do it, especially if the 2020 season get, gets wiped out. I mean, he's in, he's in his mid-30s. Eventually, he will slow down. But I, I do think with the increase the shoe technology, and it seems like World Athletics is going to be pretty relaxed on what they allow, um, I, I, I do think we'll see a, a, a sub-two world actual world record, and that will be significant maybe not for the the wider world just because they're like wait this already happened and they don't read the fine print of the the news news article that says well it was technically an exhibition and he, he broke all these you know broke all the protocols that would make it a legitimate race but uh, that's the next step and that'll be significant for running fans when somebody does it in a, in a London or a Berlin or I don't know in a Dubai or something you know I it, th- that, that will be pretty pretty significant and I, I think that happens in the next five to ten years.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just think that the there's just not going to be a push for, like, to break two. Like, maybe we get to it naturally by – because what's the regular world record now? 201.39. Thir, 201.39. So, you know, how many years you – know, the next time that get, runs faster, it's going to be a 201.34. And then it's going to – you know, like, it's going to be – multiple iterations before you even get to I don't know I just think that a big reason it happened was because there was a lot of time money investment Mm. in like the marketing of it and now that whole like marketing magic is gone because someone's done it so like no one's trying to be how many no no one's how many seconds are you giving to the the marketing break Two. what's that
0: How many seconds are you giving to marketing? (laughs) You're crediting a lot to marketing here.
1: (laughs) How much money did it cost for them to set up that exhibition? That's a lot of money.
0: I don't know. the, The figures never came out. I would imagine it was... I don't know. $50 million? I no, I, 50. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. A lot. Like, they, had to
0: re- they had to resurface the roads. Yeah, like, and then they
1: hire all the people, and you're paying them not just for that day. You're paying them the train. You're paying a lot. There's so much investment going in those two races that happened, the Nike one and the Ineos. Like, there's just – and the reason they did it is because they know if it worked, you have this big, whoa, we did it, but now there's no, mm-hmm. re- no one is going to – Want to invest multi million dollars into being the second man to do something, all right?
0: Yeah, sorry. I'm in, I'm. I'm looking up Ineos' stock right now, just because you know we're all in. We're in a recession at this moment. I just want to see. I mean, that was like a big PR for that company. Big PR move from that company, but is are they are they are they reaping the benefits amid this uh, amid this recession? Their 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 stock is down right now. Doesn't seem to be plummeting, but you know I, that's what I cover. I cover anyo's stock now. Um, but you know what I'm trying to say. Appe- yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Okay. No, I, there was a lot that, lot of reasons outside of just physical ability that 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 record happened. That the 159.40 happened, and a big chunk of it is just El Kipchoge. We he may be an outlier athlete that we never see again, um, but. That you know you could put a lot there aside from just the shoes, aside from the 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 uh, the pacing, aside from the, all the money put into it, it could just be a Kipchoge related thing. But I do think in the next, like I said, five ten years, that's just my prediction. Many people also thought we'd have flying cars by now, and the airs the airspace looks pretty clean of, of Toyota Priuses, you know, with wings. So uh, you you could be more you could be right, and I I, I wouldn't be surprised basically either way. All right. So let me go to my next pick of this very eclectic and confusing podcast. Um, where do I want to go? Whew. What was fun? Um, what was it? What was what was a good what was a good time that from? I
1: have two more. So uh,
0: okay, yeah. Should- let me let me. Pick. I'll I'll go. I'll, I'll just go to the World Championships because if if we're running out of moments here, I I gotta I gotta. I got to roll out one of my one of my main picks. Delilah Muhammad's world record with uh with Sydney McLaughlin there in second that race not only produced a spectacular photo of them both leaning at the same time but a 52.16 world record with McLaughlin running inc- into the into the 52 2s there. It was was just unbelievable. Even if they even if Muhammad had already broke the world record That, that performance in Doha was it, it, it exceeded All the hype of, of those two going together Going uh, head to head again After matching up in, in Des Moines After Muhammad had broken The world record there For McLaughlin to kind of close the gap And run 52-23 In that final was, was Incredibly stellar It was an unbelievable race And it's, I think it was the race of the year
1: I, I agree. I'll go with you with that. My uh, one of my moments, I guess it's a, it's a moment. It's kind of a moment that extended throughout the season. I kind of have a more of a, a cherished, cherished to the, what's the word? Uh sentimental value to the moment was ah. the, LSU Houston four by one finish at Texas Relays, where we saw the stare down, between there you go. LSU and Houston. Uh, and that was one of the main storylines in our Houston Speed City uh, season long series. Check it out on Flow Track. Great, great uh, series. We followed them from post indoors all the way through the end of NCAA outdoors, seeing the highs and lows of that team. And Carl Lewis is, you can listen to Carl Lewis for hours, man. Just watch it for Carl Lewis if you don't get anything else. It's a great series. Check it out. Go to the films page on Flow Track, Houston Speed City. Mm-hmm. Uh, But, yeah, that Texas Relays moment where we saw, like, the stare-down, it was great. It got Twitter riled up. You know, like I said, I love it when athletes interact with the competition and seeing the stare-down was cool. It was cool on both ends. It was cool seeing, like, the cockiness of LSU. It was cool seeing the composure of Houston, you know. It was just nice. I I I liked it.
0: I mean – Although he had a disappointing outdoor meet it set off a an I, I never th- would th- think of Jeron Flournoy the same again i mean i all of a sudden that guy went from like oh that's a dude to like that's a bad man right there you know <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. got some he's got some he's got some swag and he's got some confidence about him that uh that I didn't know he had, and that was it's too bad that I think he ended up getting hurt before or at the NCAA outdoor meet because that guy was exciting to watch, and you really wanted that rematch uh, between LSU and Houston in the 4x1 final and neither- on the same track they ran in Texas at, at the Texas Relays. Of course, Houston drops his stick at the West Prelims, and LSU doesn't
1: make the have final.
0: Flournoy. They didn't yeah, make the so final, yeah, so That one fizzled. That was like the highlight of the season, even though Florida ends up breaking the collegiate record yeah. at, at NCAA outdoors. That still was the lsu houston was still kind of the four by one moment of of the entire year um yeah that that one I, I i do appreciate you plugging plugging the website plugging your series there um i didn't know it was plug hour but but i but hey, i you,
1: you but, plugged, but i'll let you, you have this you one you plugged us uh, series art a little bit so you had to go to an art show
0: that's true I, i'll need to do that and and i gotta promote my soundcloud and my routing number too if people just want to send me money um <laughs> my Venmo
1: so I, yeah I have, that was that was a good one yeah I have two more moments if you want to wrap it up do you have any uh, t- t-
0: no take the reins so I mean I'm sure there I'm sure there are but yeah you go ahead I'm
1: going to stick to that track at the Texas track and the Matthew Bowling experiment uh, the senior year Matthew <laughs> Bol- Bowling obviously running the sub 10 super win win Uh but just it all came well that out. was not it. that wasn't at UT no I wasn't at UT You ran that before yeah uh, yeah. the, the Texas championships, but seeing him run the 4x4 four four anchor where he had an ultimate kickdown, caught he ran like split 44 seconds or something like that in a 4x4. Four four. In general, just Matthew Bowling was like a giant like meme in a weird way. Like anything Bowling did was talked about. Uh, if, like if you go to the Miles Split Instagram, uh, or even Floetrek's Instagram, the comments were always – Making jokes and be like, Yeah, but what did Mo- Matt Bowling do? You know, like, because it was, yeah, it was bowling, bowling, bowling. And it's kind of nice to get away from that. You know, he didn't, it wasn't bowling mania during indoor season. I guess Georgia kind of did a good job of kind of hiding him and not really throwing him into so many races. But I really enjoyed the Matthew Bowling senior year, especially culminated with a four by four kickdown, mm-hmm. um, which you can watch on Flowjack.
0: I mean, it was a, it was essentially a social experiment if how people react when all of a sudden i I mean obviously it's because he's white the 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 fact that he's white as a sprinter is rare and he got extra attention which was definitely not fair because of that um and and that became a story in and of itself and i I think tim laden for si had a really good piece uh, about all that and good on bowling for not embracing the white lightning uh Nickname that was thrown upon him, you know he didn't like that he was just a sprinter like like anybody else and and uh but but yeah the the the, the fact that you know seeing the other other media outlets not familiar with track talk about comparing him to Usain Bolt after bowling ran a nine ninety eight with a plus four point two wind and saying hey, this high school senior could run with Usain Bolt because. Yeah. Because people would take a time that Bolt ran in a semis at a World Championships with no wind, and compare it to a guy who did it at a regional meet with a with a plus four wind was was hilarious, and that was fun to see all that. And you know he's getting talk on 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 sports media all over the place. And again, we were seeing people's ignorance about, you know, oh, is he going to be a factor in the Olympics in 2020? Yeah. And, you know, people <laughs> were like, well, he has to be, surely, right? It's and, like and the way
1: when would be In reality,
0: you know, if he competed in the trials this year, he's not in all likelihood going to make the final. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was just a, it was a, it was an experiment in how people react when things change. And seeing a white sprinter who's a high school senior running a sub-10, yes, spectacular, breaking the all-conditions record, but there was a lot of caveats and a lot of things that went along with it. That said, though, bowling was spectacular last year, and the irony of, you know, got all that tension the 100, that comeback in the 4x4 was probably his best moment at the Texas State meet because that was... That was a jaw dropper, even more so than the 998 and anything else he did in the hundred. So
1: yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll close it out. Yeah. Uh, final moment. We I kind of mentioned it briefly. We kind of mentioned it briefly in one of our moments, but let's not forget cross country season happened in 2019. And did it? I would have to say that uh, BYU's upset victory was one of the main moments of 2019. Uh, culminated their outdoor season and beating that NAU team. Uh, looking back on it, we're going to look at it as one of the all-time upsets. Especially because I'll say right now, NAU is going to run crazy. NAU is going to be a juggernaut next year because when they <sighs> add Nico Young, they're going to they're just going to be out for blood. Um, now. There are caveats, obviously, NAU was trying to win fourth in a row with four freshmen, uh, so that would have been impressive in its own. But BYU wasn't talked about all season long. They got together, and it, they got – it's you know, it's kind of nice. I mean, they got the chip off their shoulder in a weird way when they just got dunked on two years in a row after we thought that this, like, class of, you know, Young and uh, Rory Linkletter, they had the juniors and senior years where they just – we thought this was the year they could beat them, and, then, and he was like, nope, twice. Yeah, And yeah. you would have thought that was going to be the team that did it. It's kind of – you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Virginia men's basketball team. Virginia mm. uh, was got upset by the 16th seed. and then the, UMBC. UMBC. And then the next season, they go on to win the national title. And I think – now, it's not the exact same – yeah. thing but it's the idea of like the redemption of like you know no, everyone is kind of like we talked a lot of smack for two straight years and NAU just trounced us two years in a row and so you kind of feel like you're at your all time low but then yeah. when they're at their all time low with like a bunch of new guys they find a way to get it done and I think that upset victory for multiple reasons the B- BYU side the NAU side uh, you know it was just great
0: Listen. Everyone was selling their Jacob Heslington, their Daniel Carney stock, and fortunately, Ed Istone wasn't, and Connor Mance got even better. And NAU didn't have a good day, and that they finally got their first national title. You know, everyone's the thing with BYU is everyone's given them crap for so long because you know They're they, they get <laughs> they get two years two years off for a Mormon mission, which a lot of times they don't get to run. So I, I understand their their side of things. But they do have athletes that are older, typically, because of that. Um, and this, though, was was a team that, that wasn't predicted to do a whole lot. As Ed Istone said when we shot that, that workout with them, like this is a rebuilding year. And so it's just fun to see a team come together and get hot at the right time and also have obviously the factor of NAU not have a good race. Um, but, you know... I think they dismissed they 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 put a, put down some haters. I know Mance is older than whatever a sophomore, and I know a lot of their athletes are you know twenty four twenty five but uh this was was, uh, I was happy you to had to feel, yeah, you had to feel good for the program and and uh and um it's not a hard team to root for basically the seems like a bunch of of good guys and the same thing on the on the women's side you know they have two great Coaches, so you felt good for their for their program and uh yeah, would have loved to uh see what NAU could have done to respond indoors and we didn't get to see that and uh that's obviously incredibly unfortunate. But you look for if with cross country being the next thing, you know, Connor Mance will be back and a lot of the NAU guys will be back. All uh, of the I NAU guys are see, back. <laughs> yeah, I d I don't think we're gonna see that rivalry obviously restored because NA because BYU loses some guys, but they, you know, BYU gets gets back. Uh, who am I thinking of? The uh, Shumway. No, well, not Shumway, but the the Man's. guy who just got back from huh? Oh,
1: not man. The oh, guy who just Klinger. got.
0: Clinger. Yeah. So, I don't think they'll teams will be on the same level in 2020 as they as they were in 2019. But that's what we would have said of last year's 2019 BYU squad. You know, we said, oh, they graduated Linkletter, they graduated McMillan. It's over for them. They graduated Young, but. Was not the case, so maybe this is a rivalry that can build out uh, over the next couple of years. And we've hit the one hour mark. Yeah, so I, I think we will, we'll, we'll, we'll safe to call it for today.
1: Yeah. If you, if we, if there's any moment you felt like we should have mentioned that you feel like we disrespected by not bringing up in this pod, email flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. That's flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. We're still waiting to get sponsors. Eventually, we're going to have a sponsor where we do a an ad read, but until then, the only ad is. Just email us. And wash your freaking hands. Yeah, wash your hands, okay? I won't count that. That's that's a good PSA regardless of the situation. Mm -hmm.
0: This is brought to you by Wash Your Hands. Have you experienced dull soap recently? Uh Have you scrubbed? Okay. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Anyways, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.